Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Check it out. It is the ultimate in training for commercial brokers. Well, we have an important show for you today. We've just had an incredible election. It looks like Biden is the winner. What does that mean for commercial real estate industry? What does that mean for the participants in the industry? Well, please welcome my guest. We have Norman Miller. He is a professor with the Burnham Moore's Center of Real Estate, the University of San Diego. Norman, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And we also have Mitch Rochelle. He is a research fellow with Burnham Moore's Center for Real Estate at University of San Diego. And you've probably seen and heard Mitch on our show before. Mitch, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, guys, the first thing I have to ask you, let's let's presume for our discussions today that that Biden is our president. He's got a lot of tax codes, and I'm not sure how many of my listeners I wish I could wish I could get a hand a hand raise have actually read his his tax plans. But what do you guys think about a, a Biden win and what does that mean for the commercial real estate industry? Uh, I'm going to jump in, uh, give you a high level and uh, let um, my new colleague, Norm, clean up whatever mess I make. <laughs> but uh, you know, if you look at it, interestingly enough, if you look at the Build Back Better plan, which was Biden's sort of signature uh, plan to help stimulate the economy, there, there are many elements of Build Back Better that are very reminiscent of things that uh, the Trump administration administration talked about, uh, bringing back domestic manufacturing, uh, infrastructure, other means of, means of stimulating business uh, investment. I think the difference between uh, the ideology of the incoming administration and perhaps the outgoing administration is the role of regulation in the mix. So there are a lot of uh, potential increases in what I'll call red tape and bureaucracy, for lack of a more elegant thing to call it, that could be part of the Build Back Better um, plan that were not part of uh, Trump's agenda, because Trump's goal was to eliminate as much red tape as possible. And if you think about it for a second, um, Donald Trump was a real estate developer. And as all the developers listening know, the last thing in the world you want is bureaucracy when you're trying to build something. Okay, and uh, so uh, it remains to be seen what the how the rubber meets the road on um, bureaucracy. But in terms of the tax policy elements, um, I, I think you have to question the notion of increasing income taxes, especially on corporations, uh, and potentially increasing taxes on uh, investors uh, in the form of the, those making over $400,000 a year. Because if you increase taxes on um, investment by taxing capital gains at the ordinary um, um, tax rate as opposed to the capital gains tax rate, what you're doing is you're taking money out of the investment cycle because what normally happens with gains, they get reinvested. So um, I think that that's what the challenge may be uh, ideologically um, as we see this roll out. But the question will remain, will any changes in tax policy ever happen? Because if the Republicans end up winning um, those two seats in your home state of Georgia, Michael, um, then it may be very difficult for policy to get through both chambers, um, and only time will tell there. And Norman? 
Uh, well, I'd agree. Uh, a key Senate race, race to watch is the, the one in Georgia. And if we do have a Democratic president and a Republican Senate, even by a slight margin, um, that tends to bode well for the economy historically, to have a little bit of gridlock, a little bit of constraint. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm rooting for the Republican candidates. I'm just saying historically, uh, that's, what we've, uh, that that's what we've seen. I believe that the market's already priced in the increase in the corporate tax rate to 28%. I think that's, that's a given. Uh, that that might happen. And uh, the stock market probably reacted a couple of weeks ago when it looked like Biden might win uh, to that news. Um, but, uh, but part of the dilemma here is the ideology of whether we want to be short-term or long-term uh, thinkers on taxes and how balanced of a budget do you get. And, you know, there's never been a penalty for kicking the can down the road in terms of our deficit, ever. And someday we're going to hit that limit and uh, my grandkids are going to be paying that bill uh but but for now i expect that we're going to continue to kick the can down the road and i don't see that much difference between biden and trump in terms of the next year or so in terms of the economy and let's talk a minute about the the tax plans of Biden. I mean, if he's increasing uh, corporate taxes, he's increasing uh, personal tax rates. Uh, are, are we going to lose some jobs or is it going to be offset by building back America? I, the notion is, um, and Mark Zandi, uh, who's a Biden advisor uh, from Moody's, um, wrote a piece on it. The, the hypothesis is that we're going to do all these things to create jobs, and that's going to stimulate the economy, and uh, the pay for is increasing taxes. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the spending over 10 years in Biden's strategy is seven trillion with a T. Uh, the revenue increase is four trillion with a T, and the difference is three trillion. And I may be off a trillion or two, but you know, it's only a trillion dollars. Um, so. Um, I, I, to, to the point Norm made, uh, we're just going to continue to kick the can down the road in terms of widening our national debt. Our national debt's now greater than GDP, um, and uh, you, you go considerably higher than GDP, and we start looking like a third world nation in terms of the amount of sovereign debt that we have. So, um, but to, to put a fine point on your question with an intelligent answer, hopefully intelligent answer. Um, if you increase the burdens on business in the form of more taxes, uh, whether they be corporate income taxes, whether they be the hike in the payroll taxes that get split between employer and employee, you start doing those things, um, businesses won't have a choice but to cut expenses to pay for those um, increased costs of doing business. And the biggest expense for most businesses that are in a service economy is people. The second biggest expense for uh, most businesses in a service economy is space, which we certainly care about in the commercial real estate world. So I think it puts a burden on um, people costs, jobs and space real estate. So um, I'm not a big fan of raising taxes if that hasn't been obvious in the things that have come out of my mouth so far. Uh, yeah, let me let me add to that. Um, I think Biden took a, a lesson from Trump that you can actually stimulate a little bit more than we ever thought was possible in the old days. And 
uh, $7 trillion, uh, versus the taxes that are collected will be stimulatory. And um, Biden is going to kick the can down the road for a while as well. In terms of the job question, we've lost more jobs and we will continue to lose more jobs to automation, more so than anything else. And I don't think it matters who the president is. That's going to happen anyway. And there's a little bit of global effect. Uh, but we already lost those jobs. And you can't bring jobs back from China. All you can do is shift them to uh, Vietnam and Mexico. And you're not bringing them back here. But we're going to lose them to automation, and that's going to be a long-term struggle. Um, and I don't think, again, it matters who the president is on, on that regard. Uh, but I do think that under um, Biden, the taxes won't be so high as to take away all the incentives. We'll, we're still going to grow. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm optimistic, uh, but pessimistic a little bit on some of the jobs that will be lost. Yeah, let me just say, say one thing about that. Um, I agree with you, Norm, that the fourth industrial revolution uh, started long before the COVID-19 crisis, and there was uh, a headwind to job creation in our economy, in the U.S. economy. Um, the, 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 there's an opportunity right now, though, which is to use this transition as people leave the workforce through no fault of their own and potentially re-enter the workforce to find a way to retrain those people for what I'll call jobs of the future as opposed to jobs of the past. Um, and we can debate all day long as to whether or not you can take somebody who worked in a coal mine and teach them how to code, okay? However, um, if there's a role for the federal government or state and local government in all of this, it's helping people repurpose themselves for jobs of the future. That's a role for government, potentially, uh, whether it be through funding. I don't know that government's going to execute that, but I think it's a pressing need that, quite honestly, I don't hear enough rhetoric about from anybody who is running for office uh, in this general election cycle. So I agree that education and skills are, are really critical, but just like the point about regulation, I believe that most of those decisions are going to be made at the state and local level. So for commercial real estate, the regulations that are really burdensome are the ones that are you know in your backyard, as opposed to the, the federal ones. So is the question, gentlemen, whether Biden's win is, is good or, or bad or indifferent for commercial real estate industry? Is it is really the jury still out? Does it really depend on what happens in the in the Senate race? Uh, so, yeah, go ahead, Norm. Well, um, I was going to ask Mitch. I, I don't think the corporate tax matters for REITs, for example. I mean, so, no. so what do we go from 20 to 28 percent? Yeah, although, but here's where the corporate tax does matter for commercial real estate. Uh, we went from um, having one of the highest corporate tax rates in the industrialized world um, to having one that's on par with some of our global competitors at having a, a you know a 21 percent uh, corporate tax rate. Um, and the good news is corporations paying less income taxes have more um, post-tax dollars for reinvestment. The biggest thing that corporations invest in is people, okay, in the service economy. I said that before. But the other thing they invest in is growth. And when they grow, they often make investments in space. 
Okay, so if we on the margin reduce that excess um, after tax cash flow, um, that means they have less money for investment in potentially in space. Now, this is not a post-COVID show per se, so we could debate all day long whether or not we need more space or less space in sort of the post-COVID world. But COVID aside, okay, um, you know, less cash flow for businesses means less investment. And I think, um, what do they do? They build a new factory, they build a, a new warehouse, they build uh, more office space, all of which I think is good for our favorite um, asset class. The, but the one thing about uh, policy that I'll say if, if the Republicans win um, those two Senate races in Georgia and they have uh, more than just a simple majority, they have, you know, a, you know, a vote or two to spare, um, that does give them super blocking power, that does preserve the filibuster, amongst other things, um, and that does create um, a unique balance with um, a Democrat in the House a Democrat in the White House, uh, and then Republicans. So we'll have to see what that does for, for tax policy going forward. Well, let's talk about um, post-vaccine if you, for a moment, because, you know, we have the election results, and, and, and my listeners probably feel one way or the other, depending on, on how they look at things, on which was best for commercial real estate and in, in the economy. Uh, but right after uh, the election week, uh, we had a uh, vaccine is, is now real. It's here. It's going to be uh, given to us very, very quickly. And uh, now it's uh, great vaccine news. And that seems to uh, have uh, made people feel real comfortable and real positive. So is the positive uh, elation from uh, this vaccine all of a sudden that now is here and great this week, uh, is that going to override any potential uh negativity on the election results and and what and, and take re election results out it seems that we're going to have to have some increase in taxes anyway right so uh, well I, listen we, we have to pay somehow we have to figure out how to pay for the the cares act which was multiple trillions of dollars uh of spending for which we didn't have corresponding income uh and our federal debt grew over 100 percent of gdp and and that has to be figured out uh by future years of prosperity um on the vaccine topic for a second just a couple of things that's important to know about the pfizer uh vaccine um one is uh, it's, they haven't gotten emergency use, use authorization yet from the FDA, and they'll obviously be applying for that soon. Um, the distribution of the vaccine is complicated because it has to be basically distributed at a sub-zero frozen rate uh, level, um, which has some complications to it. I know the administration put a uh, retired general in charge of the distribution um, so it's going to be very important for the outgoing administration to work with the incoming administration around uh, in a non-finger pointing way to continue to get that um, that element of Operation Warp Speed to happen. Uh, other thing is very important to know is it's a two-shot vaccine, so you have to get the first shot, and then uh, and I don't know exactly how many weeks later you have to go get the second one. Um, so it's going to require a lot of discipline on the part of those who get the vaccine to get it. Um, because it's not a one and done like the flu shot. Um, but with a 90 plus percent um, effective rate, um, that's pretty impressive. I, I believe the flu shot is somewhere between 40 and 50 percent effective. Uh, so this has a 90 plus percent effective rate. So um, 
you know, there's a lot of uh, days on the calendar between the Pfizer announcement and when somebody's standing online at a drugstore getting a shot, uh, one of two. But I think the timing couldn't be better, election aside, because we're starting to see an increase going into cold and flu season of test positives across the country. And um, there's one thing that's sure is continuing to lock down elements of our economy um, on the supply side uh, is not good for economic growth. So um, knowing that there's a vaccine around the corner, I think uh, will be uh, the maybe the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, and and by the way, this is one of several vaccines. So hopefully uh, that happens and uh, they and can get rolled out very quickly. Did you hear about the Russian vaccine announced this morning is 90 yeah. Effective. It's also a two-shot vaccine, one in your arm and and, and one from the bottle. <laughs> and and, um, and so this next week we will probably have five more announcements on vaccines. Um, let me add a comment on, on on the budget and the stimulus. We we had some game playing before the election, probably by the House not willing to compromise with. Um, the Senate, um, probably because Nancy Pelosi thought that might hurt Trump more than anybody else on, on the election. But now that the game playing might be over, I expect that we will have another stimulus uh, bill uh, of some kind passed. The state and local budgets uh, need help. Small businesses still need help. <laughs> so we probably will get that stimulation. If Trump had been elected, I think we would still get it. Uh, I think the game playing was was pretty much to wait till the election happened. Um, Mitch, you might you might want to add to that, but uh, but that would be the good news if we get another stimulus bill passed because we uh, we need that right now. I, I, yeah, I'll I'll say this: um, not much happens historically in a lame duck session um, of Congress, uh, and I don't. It, it you know it's the middle of January before the next Congress gets sworn in. I don't know that our economy can wait that long in terms of stimulation. And I'm with you 100%, uh, Norm. So um, there was a very comprehensive bill, the HEROES Act, I believe it was called, that passed the House that was rejected by the Senate. There are several proposals that uh, Leader McConnell had put forward in the Senate um, that were skinny bills. They uh, included... Um, more funding for small business and sort of a paycheck protection program 2.0. They included uh, a negotiated amount for enhanced unemployment benefits. Uh, if you recall in the CARES Act, it was $600 supplemental. Uh, the Republicans have proposed something in the 300s, the low 400s. Um, and it did not include um, um, a sort of universal basic income, like checks to stimulus checks to um, uh, to folks under a certain uh, income threshold, although that has been in and out of the Senate draft. Um, but here are the two sticking points. Uh, the Democrats want to fund, um, have money go to state and local governments to help uh, with the fiscal crisis that exists in state, that state and local level. Uh, the Republicans want liability protection for those people who are getting people back to work and opening up their businesses. Um, I, I think there's a lot of room for compromise in that. And I think that uh, cooler heads will prevail post-election. And I'm hopeful that something does actually get done in the lame duck session, because right now, especially like I live in New York um, state, 
the governor of the state of New York today, uh, oops, Michael, sorry, I told you I wasn't gonna timestamp it, but I just did. But the governor of the state of New York uh, just announced um, uh, curfews post 10 p.m. just basically for bars and restaurants. Uh, that's the beginning. The governor of New Jersey said that they're going to start um, imposing some new restrictions, but those weren't articulated. So I think we're going to see the supply side of the economy start to get shut down again. And those small businesses, those restaurant owners, those uh, barbershops, those nail salons, those suffer greatly. So I think we do need stimulus now. And hopefully uh, both sides of the aisle can come together around that. Yeah, I agree. I was in Chicago last week uh, meeting clients and it was kind of curfewed. It seemed like at 9 p.m. And right after I left on the on the Thursday, the Friday, they were shutting down all in, interior uh, dining and, and, and restaurants and things. And, you know, the city was already a ghost town. It's incredible. So I want to take a short break. When we get back, I want to ask you guys, are we going to see more of a, a national shutdown potentially with Biden? And also uh, answer the, uh, a question about 1031 exchange. You know, Biden's plan was to, hey, let's get rid of that. Let's repeal it or adjust it. I want to get you guys' opinion on that. So stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like a more inviting and safe environment for your property? Check out the ION technology for your heat and air system from Core Green Technologies. It's effective, safe, and won't break the budget. Visit core.green to learn more. Site selection, marketing, and property due diligence has just changed. Check out Vista Property Report slash CRE Show. That's Vista Property Report slash CRE Show. Use promo code CRE Show. You will love this product. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. My guests are Norman Miller and Mitch Rochelle, and they're both with the University of San Diego, and they are real estate and economy experts. And we're talking about the kind of the results of, of a Biden win here. Uh, also, a kind of a vaccine is miraculously uh, is now fantastic, and it seems to make uh, people pretty excited. And we were talking uh, in the previous segment about some of the shutdowns we're seeing in some of these cities. Um, Biden's talked about a you know handling things nationally. Uh, what do you guys think? Might there be some possible national restrictions on on businesses, and, and what would that do to uh, commercial real estate and the economy? Uh, I'll, I'll start and then Mitch will pick up. Um, I, I don't think that we have the appetite for any kind of national shutdown. I just think politically it wouldn't be accepted. I'm talking at the popular level, not at the uh, po politician level. 
And, and I think that Biden's advisors are going to sense that and tell him that a national shutdown just won't fly. So I, I do believe that we're going to have shutdowns, but I think they're going to be localized. You know, um, Chicago, Southern California, we're going into purple right now. We're going to have shutdowns. It's terrible for the frontline businesses. But I don't see anything uh, at the national level. Mitch, do you, you agree? Uh, you know, somewhere between, I think I, uh, it started in fourth grade and then uh, continued in seventh grade in civics class. But uh, we spent a little bit of time studying the good book. Um, I know this is audio only, but I'm holding up a copy of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, I believe in a republic, which is our form of government, uh, there are certain restrictions on the power of the federal government as it relates to uh, what states do. So. Um, I, I'm not entirely certain. And again, uh, I'm not a constitutional expert. I just play one on TV. Uh, I, I, I think there are going to be some challenges with uh, the power of the federal government to mandate shutdowns at the state and local level. OK, uh, they can suggest I don't know that they can uh, they can order by fiat. Um, but here's what's interesting. You can't talk about the Biden administration um, until uh, Joe Biden, if he becomes the, the 46th president of the United States, is actually sworn in. So there's no ability of a president-elect to uh, actually write an executive order on anything. Uh, he, they, you know, so the two administrations that uh, fought pretty hard uh, in the general election uh, and didn't see eye to eye on much, I don't see the likelihood of uh, Vice, vice, former vice president uh, slash president-elect Biden convincing Donald Trump and his administration uh, to do anything that, that they didn't agree with. So this would have to be something that would happen after the uh, after Biden is sworn in. Um, uh, let me play devil's advocate on, on one point. I, I thought the federal government said they were going to delegate these kind of decisions to the state and local level. However, I want to remind everybody that the CDC came along and banned evictions through December 31st of this year um, in multifamily property. And so, you know, we do have some precedents of federal level interference uh, that is COVID-19 stimulated. And, um, you know, there are a lot of states, including the state I'm in, California, that had really well thought out, somewhat balanced forbearance and eviction rules. And, and then the CDC comes along, just does this slash approach. Um, I am hoping that that, that, that that is not renewed in, under a Biden administration and that the federal government um, is a little bit more consistent in terms of... Uh, uh, interfering, but uh, we did see interference, but it was from a strange place, the CDC. Yeah, and uh, I would argue that ultimately many of these decisions will end up getting challenged through the court system. And by the time they are heard, if necessary, by the Supreme Court, if not by um, the appellate levels and circuit courts, um, some of this may be behind us. Michael, you led into this block talking about the vaccine. And if the vaccine, we're in November, uh, if the vaccine can get traction in December into January before inauguration day, and people are starting to get vaccinated, uh, and we can use the vaccine judiciously and give it first to those who are most at risk, which is you know probably the, the best use of it from my layperson's 
point of view, then maybe we can get ahead of it. And Norm, I think you said um, that there's, there's more vaccines to come. If that is the case, and we have multiple pharmaceutical companies, several of which are producing the vaccine in the hundreds of millions of dose variety uh, so that there's a distribution mechanism and we can get people vaccinated, maybe that curbs the need for, for, um, for some of these lockdowns uh, because I think we'd all agree that lockdowns just are not good uh, for the economy. Yeah. And the general said, all he needs is the word execute. If he says yeah. execute, the, those vaccines are, are going out. And, and judging by the dancing in the street and the crowds um, this weekend, uh, people must feel good about this vaccine coming down the road. Well, let me ask you guys about something else. Um, you know, one of the Biden's tax plans uh is to either abolish, repeal, or, or severely adjust the 1031 exchange. And, and it's just about 100 years old. And there's, there's a lot of people who say that the 1031 exchange is great for the economy and jobs and, and neighborhoods and, and for tax revenues and things. So um, w- what is your, your take on the 1031 exchange? And what do you think will happen? Will Biden be able to... Um, repeal this that's been here for 100 years? I want to take that question in two different directions, uh, if you don't mind. You said something really important, Michael, which is the 1031 exchange has been around for a really, really long time. So let's think about how it was used when it was originally put into place. The 1031 exchange was to help people who were in the agricultural business, who owned a lot of property, if they wanted to trade uh, property Uh, as opposed to disposing of it and having a portion of the wealth that had been created by the family that owned the land to get lost. Um, So if you had a very, very high gain, uh, the land was was bought cheap, the land was made fertile, the land was productive, uh, the land had value, then the wealth of that family would be lost and taken by the federal government in the form of gain taxes. So in order to potentially mitigate those taxes. I don't want to say the word avoid, but to mitigate those taxes. If um, I had a uh, almond farm in um, uh, California um, and uh, you had a, um, uh, a grape farm in California, um, we could swap them and uh, almonds you know, produce income at one time a year and grapes produce income at another time a year. And maybe it's uh, it was in both owners' best interest, and they just swap their land uh, and in a tax-free way. That's why the 1031 was created. The other way I wanted to take this is, um, I think what's happened during the Trump administration was because the president uh, was a real estate developer, certain provisions of the tax code that optically benefited the real estate industry were weaponized for political purpose. So the 1031 exchange, because it's something that's, it's a tool that's used by the real estate industry, it was automatically bad because uh, he was a real estate guy. Um, step up in basis uh, upon death of a, of a partner, um, I'm trying to avoid code sections, that also is a tool that's often used in estate planning um, by property owners and the like, or even other types of investors. That became weaponized. Uh, you, depreci- short depreciation schedules to incentivize investment. All of those provisions just seem like they were weaponized often in, for political purposes. And um, perhaps the 1031 exchange won't be viewed as being 
somehow evil because we no longer have uh, somebody in, in the White House that's a real estate person. That's my hope that um, because I think 1031 um, use by the agricultural and farming industry still exists today. Right. And, and when you talk about death tax, the estate tax, um, the, the, the group that lobbies the most to eliminate estate tax, again, is the agricultural industry, where they don't want to see the fortunes of a family get shared with the, the government upon the death of a matriarch, a patriarch of a, of a farming family. So um, I think somehow we have to remember why these provisions exist in our tax law and go back to the original purpose and realize that we're trying to protect the people we were originally trying to protect. Norm, does the 1031 escape the acts? I, I don't have much to add to what Mitch already said, other than I, I see the opportunity zones as somewhat related to the 1031 game. And, um, and we've had them long enough now under the current administration to see that there have been some bad And so um, uh, there's a lot of people out there right now with really low basis, a really low basis in their commercial real estate that, that feel they can't sell. And, um, and if we can keep the capital gains tax lower, it's going to help the turnover, the optimization and use of real estate. Uh, we'll see more volume, all, all of that's a, a positive, but I, I don't have a forecast on uh, what Biden's gonna do. Yeah, well, his plan says he's going to um, repeal it or, or uh, severely uh, devastate it, and in uh, in his uh, if he stays true to that, and it wasn't rhetoric, um, does it really depend on the outcome of the the Senate race whether he's able to do that? Uh, I, I'll just say this, um, sort of just macro politically, if the Republicans control the Senate. Um, and as I said in the previous block, if the Democrats control the House and then the White House, um, you do have a blocking mechanism. The question is, um, what are important agenda? It also gives the Republicans in the Senate some power. So what are some of the items that are important to the Republicans in the Senate that would be the fodder for compromise? And so we don't know the answer to your question. We could only guess as to whether or not in some tax policy changes that happen under the Biden administration and then in the incoming Congress does where 1031s fall in that. But I do think that there's going to be some compromise. I, I think it's a little naive to think that every piece of legislation is going to find its way to the, to the Senate and just drop because, because that, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think there are going to be agenda items that are important to the Republican-controlled Senate that they're going to have to make compromises with uh, whoever the Speaker of the House is and, um, and the incoming Congress. You know, the one, the, I don't get too political, but the one good thing about Biden is he's not the AOC, Elizabeth Warren, or Bernie Sanders um, in terms of anti-business rhetoric, or Bernie Sanders, perhaps, as, as kind of anti-business rhetoric. Uh, we got absolutely nothing like that out of Biden. So we might see some compromises and something reasonable. Yeah, well, let's hope so. I think uh, the 1031 has really helped uh, tax revenues when you think about the increased um, tax bases on these properties when they're sold and uh, the jobs and uh, 
income created around these transfers and renovations and, and all the tax income there. And, uh, and I see some of these neighborhoods that start deteriorating when, when these owners feel like they can't sell because the taxes are too high and if they can't do an exchange. So it seems to help housing uh, revenues. Um, and uh, it, it seems to have a bigger impact uh, than you know, people look at just the preliminary tax that's deferred um, and they just look at that. It's like, oh, okay, well, there's some money, but I think all the income and taxes around that hopefully are, are taken to, to effect. Well, what would you guys leave our audience with to think about uh, moving forward related to uh, the outcome of the election and um, commercial real estate uh, moving forward? Uh, I'm going to give you a quick nugget and then um, leave the final word to my colleague, Norm. Um, this is a stock market nugget, but I think it's interesting in a um, highly political world that we're in right now. If you looked at stock market returns going back to uh, 1945, and this is data compiled by uh, our friends at uh, CFRE uh, Research, and you look at a Democratic president and a split Congress versus all of the other alternatives that could have taken place since 1945. The highest stock market return, average S&P return in a calendar year is 13.6%. And that happened when you had a Democrat president and a split Congress. All right. The lowest was when you had a GOP president and a Democrat Congress, believe it or not. Uh, but this is on average going back to 1948-5, excuse me, and a lot of things have happened. Um, the reason why I say that is um, in, in periods of hyperpartisanship um, and uh, precarious um, economic environment, uh, there could be a lot of prosperity ahead of us. And, and I don't want uh, our viewers to think it's it's all doom and gloom. <laughs> Good. Norm? Well, I think we have a tough nine months ahead of us for the frontline job holders. But let me make a couple general points. One is that forbearance is going to end. So this uh, bank forbearance, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac forbearance, that's going to end. We are going to have distress. Um, probably early to mid-2021, of some properties and uh, there's a lot of capital sitting on the sideline waiting for that and that's going to be an opportunity to recapitalize reuse properties um a second point is that capital has no place to go right now uh, that's one of the reasons the stock market is doing so well the interest rates are so low fixed income is not an alternative money markets pay nothing and we have had this excitement of of some pretty good stock market gains in the recent weeks. Um, I think that's going to uh, take a dip at some point, and that's when real estate starts to look attractive again, because real estate's that really attractive uh, coupon clipper, boring uh, investment that's a great alternative to this volatile stock market, and we're going to get shaken up at some point and look harder at real estate again. Uh, third point is that there are a lot of silver linings out there in real estate. Data centers are doing great. Uh, life science and biotech uh, is doing great. We've had all kinds of new tenants prospering and, and some, some real estate players are out there taking advantage of it. We've had an explosion in ghost kitchens. Um, we've had an explosion in micro fulfillment centers and conversions. And so um, I, I think the thing to do is, uh, is know that every time there's doom and gloom and 
in, uh, in the economy or in real estate, there's also opportunities. And uh, there are a lot of them out there. And people are repositioning their office properties, making them more competitive, going to that touchless app world, and, um, and they're going to compete just fine. So, uh, uh, so I think that the innovative, creative, and opportunistic are, are going to have a, a good long-term outlook. Good, so I could be doing the Snoopy dance, right, Mitch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We 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 always do the Snoopy dance. I always listen, Michael. It, it I'm, I'm a half full dude. Um, I, I just don't see anything as half empty. I'm half full all the time. Well, real quick before you guys go, uh, Mitch, uh, tell us about your uh, podcast. Well, you know, it's interesting. As we were talking, and I was digging into the world of politics, I realized that there's uh, there's a whole other side of me. So with a few friends, uh, we launched a podcast. Uh, we're now on week four. It's called The NOPO, N-O-P-O, which stands for non-political. The NOPO podcast. It's available on iTunes. Uh, it's also available on YouTube for you non-Apple phone people. And uh, we we're getting a lot of positive feedback. And it's a half hour of fun, the kind of nonsense that uh, people need in their lives. It's great for a short bike ride or a dog walk or out smoking a cigar because somebody won't let you smoke a cigar in the house. But uh, uh, give it a listen, the NOPO podcast. Uh, and I try to get my radio voice to be as good as Michael Bulls, but that's almost <laughs> impossible. Yeah, right. Well, we'll put a, a link uh, to your podcast so people can subscribe at our website, seriesshow.com. And, and Norman, uh, the University of San Diego, your real estate department is uh, kind of well-renowned around the country. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, we, uh, we, we try to produce um, grad students that, that come in with a little bit of experience and, and add to that and uh, give them a lot of networking. We integrate the industry with the program. So they get solid theoretical methodology, top of the line financial analysis, but then they get to meet people like, uh, uh, like Mitch and yourself and all those uh, experts out there in the trenches. And um, we try to balance that out so that when they come out there, they're running and raring to go. So we're, we're proud of the program. Uh, it is, as I said, very select, uh, not real big, but, uh, but uh, we have a, a great program at the University of San Diego. Excellent. And we'll put a link to that also on the show notes. Norman, Mitch, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Great information. All right, Michael. Thanks so Thanks. much. All right. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Man. And uh, thank you for joining us around the country. Hey, let us know what you think. What is your opinion? Uh, please reach out to us on your favorite social media, or you might have this little box on your desk with some buttons. It's a telephone. <laughs> Remember those? Uh, just give me a call. Uh, and until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you appreciate the show, think about the opportunity to do business or refer business to our sponsors. Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies. For incredible commercial agent training, visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Vista Property Reports. Use smartphone location technology for commercial real estate due diligence. Visit vistapropertyreport.com slash CRE show core.green use ion technology to create a safer environment for your real estate visit core.green 
for more commercial real estate intel, forecasts, and strategies, visit CREshow.com. <laughs>